How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode... Well, well, well. What do we have here? Episode 362 of X-Lapsed. Regular X-Lapsed. What the hell? I didn't know we were doing that anymore. Huh. Well, I I, I guess, uh, at least for today, we, we are. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to be completely honest and transparent with you all here. Uh, this episode was a long time coming. And it was one that I was a bit nervous about doing. Uh, not because we're necessarily talking about a, a bad book. Because we're not. We're not talking about a bad book at all. Um, not because I didn't think I'd have a good time. Because, well, I went into this thinking I wouldn't have a good time. But I ultimately had a really good time. Um, I forgot how much I enjoyed doing this. But uh, nervous more for the fact that... Uh, I don't know, how do, you, how do you come back to something like this? You know, 362 episodes. This uh, was a huge part that uh, of my life for, you know, two years. And I kind of just walked away from it. And here we are back, and how do you come back? It's like, I, I almost wish we had like a big issue to come back with. We don't, it's just a, another issue. It's a good one, but it's just an issue. But I don't know, it's kind of uh, daunting. Uh, the script for this uh, episode had been written for a little while. And uh, I, put up the, I put the like finishing touches on it over the course of the past couple of days as I was trying to hype myself up into, into doing this. And, you know, I, I kind of just sat there with the script done. It was all done, you know, at least uh, <laughs> to my usual uh, levels of quality. But I still just sat here staring at it like, how, how, do, you, how do you come back? And, you know, like, thoughts are like that Mark Wade quote about, like, you know, individual issues being delayed. You know, it's like, well, who's going to care? When it's in trade, no one's going to notice. So it's like, part of me is like, a year from now, who's going to even notice that I missed a day? I mean, I will. Maybe some people will. But I don't know. It just feels weird to jump right in like nothing nothing happened. Um, I, I talked at length uh, during episode 61 of The Essential X Lapse, which was my... Uh, my grand return to microphone land, and uh, so I won't. I won't go too deep into uh, the personal uh, strife that I've been. Uh, and strife is a uh, probably too precious and uh, exaggerated a term for it. But uh, life's just been weird over the past several months, and I, I went into depth in that episode. If anybody has any sort of fleeting interest in that, uh, please feel free to check that out. Long story short, things got weird. Things ain't weird as, or things aren't as weird anymore. So we're able to uh, to continue here. Now, before we actually discuss the issue here, I do have one favor to ask. 
Just one favor. I don't ask much from people, so I just have one request here. Anybody within earshot, anybody listening, I need you to do me the favor of being my accountability buddy. Now, that's not to say if uh, I go a week without putting an episode out that you, like, rattle my cage. That's not the kind of accountability I'm talking about here. Uh, This is an appeal for a a different sort of accountability. Um, (laughs) As we were wrapping up the last, you know, slew of original Recipe X lapsed, I felt myself going to a very negative place. Maybe not as negative as I'm remembering it to be, but um, uh, personally there were a lot of things, there were a lot more things to dislike than like about the books then. And I never want to be the insert adjective comic book reviewer or the comic reviewer who has a gimmick and no you know you know him because he's the one who wears the boots or he wears the top hat or he wears the tie or he I don't want to be that guy you know um I feel like a lot of internet reviews have been informed by those character reviewers the angry reviewers and uh there's certainly a a, a place for that right uh, and it's and I mean, I'm not going to say that they're lesser critics or reviewers. Um, there's certainly a place for them, and they can be highly entertaining. It's just not what I wanted to do. You know, I, I think a lot of us, at least of my vintage and perhaps skewing a bit younger, I think a lot of us had our opinions on what a review or criticism is as being informed by these, you know, quote-unquote angry reviewers. Where, you know, you you hold up a video game and you yell four-letter words at it and then maybe you flush it down a toilet. And to be completely honest, um, those people were the reason, like, I first signed up for a YouTube account, you know, to follow those kind of people. So I was an audience for this at some point. I did see value in it. I, I don't really watch that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, but that's not out of, like, conscious avoidance of those sort of things. It's just not something I really think about all that much anymore. And, I mean, it was that sort of review that kind of inspired an entire generation of online critics and reviewers to adopt that sort of a format, which got very, very tired, got very, very old, and um, it's kind of lazy, you know, to be honest here. And that's not to slight anybody who who did the angry review thing. It's just, it's kind of easy. You know, it's easy to yell bad words at things to get a laugh. It's easy to point out bad things. I find it's a lot easier to be critical of things, uh, perhaps even to the point of nitpicking, than it is to be able to eloquently say you don't have anything to say. Because as I'm ever so slowly learning, not everything requires a 20-page thesis, especially when it's just to try and point out negative things here. So all that to say, I have that one favor to ask. If you find that I'm turning into that, You know, if I am that guy who is just nitpicking, if I'm the guy who is just trying to be angry at these books, these things that we love so much or claim to love so much, I mean, I've loved the X-Men for over 30 years now, and here I am uh, approaching middle age, you know, yelling into a microphone about comic, oh God, what happened to my life? But I don't want to be the negative guy. I don't want to be the overly positive guy. I want to be the honest guy. You know, that's kind of been the angle here. And while I'm not completely sure I lost my way, there are some people who have accused me of it. And that's kind of part of the reason it took me so long to come back. A lot of soul-searching there where I had to stop and think, am I just being a dick right now? Or am I just trying to be snarky? Is that my personality now? Am I not 
am I not, you know, I'd never say I'm a good or even unbiased critic, because we all have our biases. We all have, you know, that era in comics or X-Men history or whatever history that we like more than any other and how... In our minds, you know, if we encountered it when we're 12, that's the peak of uh, pop culture, and uh, it'll never be any better than that. And uh, I think we all have that kind of baggage. It's all about not holding that against everything else. And I, you know, I don't know that I did that uh, as we were wrapping up the last batch of episodes, but I have reason to believe I might have. All that having been said, what I need from you all is to keep me accountable. If anything that I say comes across as anything other than genuine, please call me out. If you find me being more critical about certain books than others, please let me know, because uh, hypocrisy is probably my biggest pet peeve. You know, if, uh, if Simon Spurrier writes something and I like it, then if Steve Orlando writes that same thing, well, then it stands to reason that I should like it, right? Conversely, if I have a problem with a story that Teeny Howard puts out... Well, then, if Zeb Wells puts that same story out, I need to be just as critical. I hope what I'm saying makes sense, and I didn't get too lost in a tangent to make my point here. Just, uh, like I said, if I'm being hypercritical, or, or hypocritical even, uh, please let me know. But uh, with all that said, how about we actually get back into the, well, I can't say current year X-Men. This is last year. Oy, the semi-recent X-Men. How about that? This is Legion of X number two, which had an August 2022 cover date. The story's called Let Us Pray, written by Cy Spurrier, with art by Jan Bazal... Oh boy, Bazaldua? Bazaldua? I'm sorry. Uh, colors, Federico Blee. Letters, VCs, Clayton Cowles. Designs by Muller with Bowen. Edits, Okoye, Brunstad, White, Sabalski. Cover price, four bucks. This one went on sale. Wow. Wow, June 8th, 2022. Wow, what happened to that... Half of the year. Oi. Alrighty, let's take a look at our cover, which looks like, um, like if there were a movie called Bowling for Cosmic Ghost Rider, this might be the uh, cover to it, or the poster for it. It's one of those covers, well, it's actually the cover I've been staring at for the past, um, well, six, seven months now. It's just been, it's been in the front of the pile the whole time, and I'm tired of looking at it. It's not the fault of the cover, it's the fault of me, but, uh, yeah, if I never see this cover again, it'll be a little bit too soon. So let's get the cover out of the way and crack this sucker open. Now we pick up right where we left off, like a hundred years ago real time, where uh, Mother Righteous... Who? Hmm. Mother Righteous is addressing Legion, calling back to his earliest appearances during his sedation, which was actually a coma, but sure. Uh, she also mentions his father's coldness toward him, which, yes, of course, we are all aware of that. Mother then turns her attention to the recently returned blindfold, forcing her to use her precognitive powers. Legion protests this, claiming that Ruth don't do that no more. Which, I'm honest here, uh, I can't remember whether or not that was a plot point. All I can remember is that she chose to come back, like, without a body? Like, without a physical body, a corporal body, whatever? I mean, that's right, right? Uh, anyway, Mother Righteous forces Blindfold's hoodoo, which reveals a possible future wherein David himself leads the X-Men. Oh, no. Uh, any guesses as to what he's shown saying here as he's the leader of the X-Men? Well, if you said, to me, my X-Men, well, A, you'd be right, and B, we should all smack ourselves with bricks. David, here in this uh, vision, is stood before a quiet council, and his quiet council consists of Nightcrawler, 
a trio of Banffs, and Destiny. Sorta. I, I think it might actually be Blindfold wearing a Destiny mask. Maybe? I, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Now, Blindfold calls for Mother Righteous to stop, claiming that this isn't the future, just one possibility. To which, I, I mean, aren't they all? Isn't that like the whole weak loophole with precognition? I don't know. Uh, she mutters some stuff about a horned god and a stolen hand, and maybe we'll find out about one of those things before we wrap this one up. Ruth then leaves, uh, which leaves uh, Legion and Mother Righteous together. Uh, Legion asks Mother Righteous what she has to offer him, and she says she trades in ideas, and David wonders what the cost of those ideas might be. Double-page spread of roll call and cred. We got us a lot of characters, and I don't think we're going to see... Well, we're not going to see a few of them. Our characters include Legion, Nightcrawler, Banshee, Blindfold, Juggernaut, Forget-Me-Not, Pixie, Lost, Dr. Nemesis, Fabian Cortez, Sage, Pauly, Aura Serrata, that eyeball thing, Weaponless Zen, and Mother Righteous. Next up, it's our first info page back. How about that? It's from the desk of Dr. Nemesis, and he's talking about gods. Now, the whole gimmick here is that... Uh, if I'm understanding this right, in the Marvel Universe, and perhaps this is a commentary in the real, on the real world as well, that gods only exist due to people's belief in them. It's, uh, you know, as if to say, if there's no one to, around to worship, then there is no god. Which is one way of looking at it, and it certainly figures into our current story. We hop back to comics, and we're at the Green Lagoon, which is currently under uh, reconstruction. Uh, it's, it's destroyed a lot. Right, uh, I know it was destroyed back in Way of X. Um, has it been destroyed another time between then and now? Did, did Juggernaut wreck, wreck the place last issue? I think maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, Sage is chatting up Nightcrawler about this character called Switch that he's been looking for. And she claims that he doesn't seem to exist. And I barely remembered this as I was writing it. I have a note in my script here saying, Hey, idiot, go, go back and listen to episode 351. I didn't do that. I... Probably should have, but I did flip back to my script for that episode. Um, Switch was the skinjacker. You might be wondering what the hell a skinjacker is, but uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, now Zen, weaponless Zen, tries to get Kurt back on topic, uh, tracking down the fugitive deity she came here to, you know, track down. She suggests that there must be at least one worshipper of whatever it is here on Krakoa. She's also kind of annoyed that Krakoa's uh, tracking system is the often drunk Black Tom Cassidy. And we see him and Juggernaut having drinks at a nearby table. Zen suggests that there's likely some sort of listening device at play on the island. Nightcrawler is quick to squash that here. He says, Krakoa ain't a police state, and they're certainly not bugging their own people. To which Sage very awkwardly agrees. Um, now, we know that she's got the, what were they called, singing stones, gossip stones, whatever they are. They've got, the, they've got those things to listen at. Now, at this point, Banshee wanders up, uh, or maybe it's Mo McTaggart in her skin suit. Uh, now, he doesn't want to talk about any of that kind of stuff, and I can't say that I blame him. And instead, he's got some crime stuff to report. He wants to discuss an old Interpol case with Sage. It's worth noting, maybe, that uh, Sean is holding a little, possibly bloody bag. Juggernaut and Tom invite him over for a drink, and Banshee spits in a beer stein and walks away. It's not, uh, not a good day. As he leaves, uh, he's no longer holding that little bag. I think. I mean, it's, I'm not sure if that's going to be a plot point, but he was definitely holding something. I, I, he's not holding it now. 
Maybe he's got pockets. I don't know. From here, we shift over to the altar where Lost, Forget-Me-Not, Pixie, and Dust are giving Paulie What's-His-Face a very soft interrogation. Now, Paulie would rather they just kill him and be done with it. He's not really for this, like, kumbaya approach here. He's not really feeling it. He also claims not to recognize Forget-Me-Not, which I fear that one's going to get old really, really quick. A blindfold appears to inform the gang that Switch is currently covering his tracks in blood. Back to the Green Lagoon, where Kurt is uh, giving Sage a shoulder massage while waxing on about his philosophy regarding the law. He suggests that hopefully Krakoa can become a place where conscience is the only law they need. To which, uh, sure, yeah, totally, totally see that happening. Uh, You might as well just end the book here. You know, they all live consciously ever after. Oops, actually hold that thought. We've got us an intruder at X-Force HQ at the point, and it is a weaponless Zen who somehow... (laughs) I mean, she was just at the bar two seconds ago. Ah, well, she's there. And she finds herself attacked by Beast. Now, she's not taken unawares, however, because she manages to slice some tendons in his leg during his assault attempt. Hank regains his composure and does some flippity-doos, winding up straddling the interloping Iraqi, hands firmly clasped around her throat. She, unsurprisingly, winds up besting him in combat, because you just gotta keep jobbing out, poor old Hank McCoy. Info page. These are Beast's notes on the Skinjacker. Now, here, Hank kind of mocks Nightcrawler's current direction. He refers to Nightcrawler and his gang as Krakoa's emo cops, which is kind of funny. Uh, He suggests that this uh, Switch Skinwalker situation is kind of beneath his own pay grade, uh, since he's more of a national security kind of guy. And, relatively speaking, this is small potatoes. We hop back to comics, where Kurt and Sage have arrived at the point to stop the fight. Kurt tells Zen she shouldn't be here, to which she informs him that Sage was lying about Krakoan surveillance, having somehow learned of the existence of the Singing Stones. Okay, so I guess they, I guess they were the Singing Stones. Maybe, maybe Gossip Stones were from Zelda or something? I know that's a thing. I just don't know where. Uh, Sage coughs, which doesn't really confirm or deny anything, and she's not questioned on it any further, so um, what are you going to do? Now, I might be mistaken, but... Um, I'm not sure if it's yet been, like, plainly stated that these are actual surveillance devices. I know we've, uh, we've seen them mentioned on info pages before, but I can't remember if we've been led to believe that there may be just parts of Krakoa, like organic Krakoan flora. Would it be flora? It's rocks. Probably not, but Krakoa environmental bio whatever, rather than actually being X-Force police state sort of stuff. Don't know. Can't remember. If you do remember... Please let me know. Uh, we see on a monitor, or Kurt and Zen see on a monitor, uh, Banshee is skulking around somewhere. And wherever it is that he's skulking, Beast ain't pleased about it. Zen suggests that the skinjacker has possessed Banshee to throw them off his scent. And uh, we actually join Banshee here, crouched in some grass, slicing into his right wrist with a little dagger, like, like a bloodletting almost. Luckily, Pixie and the gang see this as well, and they decide to intervene. And they do so by opening a juggernaut-sized portal right over poor Sean's head. Kane is teleported in and literally dropped right on top of Banshee, stopping him from doing whatever the hell it was he was doing. Curtin Zen then bamf on in to check out what's going on. Pixie tells him that Blindfold nebulously tipped them off about the skin jacking. Lost somehow knows that Switch can only switch bodies once every 24 hours, so they're pretty sure they got them right now. Was this ever clarified? I, I, I sure don't remember. 
Maybe I should have re-listened to episode 351 before doing this. Uh, in any event, it turns out to be a moot point, because either that was bad intel, or the clock just ticked over to 24 hours and one minute, because Switch just switched. Hopping out of the Banshee and into the Juggernaut. And you know how, for like the past 60 years now, we've had this thing where nobody can stop the Juggernaut? It's kind of a thing, right? Well, it's a thing no more. It's all done because, uh, well, Lost has the power of gravity and pukiness. The skin-jacked Marco can't be unstoppable anymore, and, well, his belly ain't feeling so good. Pixie jams her soul dagger into his head, and Kurt begins his, uh, well, kind of soft interrogation. Banshee's also come to, and he threatens to scream the soul out of the skinjacker. Now, I might be mistaken here, and I'm probably wrong, but I could have sworn that Switch's powers, at least as they were like first described back in the John Francis Moore era X-Force back around the turn of the century, the powers were that he literally switches bodies with his victims. Like, he inhabits theirs while they move to his, like a, like a clean swap. I don't know if that's how things are right now, though. It could be. Maybe I'm not reading it right. I don't know. And, I mean, honestly, I can't expect people to remember anything XE from pre-2019, so I should probably just move along. Kurt and Switch in Jug's chat, with the latter coming off as quite the creeper. He then wills Pixie and her soul dagger out of his head before vacating Kane's body. Pixie claims that this should not have been able to happen since her soul dagger is an astral nullifier. Juggernaut, who's come to, describes being possessed as being sent to a cold and dark place, which Banshee concurs. So maybe Switch has his body, like, stuck somewhere cold and dark? I suppose it's possible, right? They're not just being sent to some nebulous void? Unless, of course, Switch is currently occupying a nebulous void? I I don't know. Let's, let's just move on. Uh, Kurt reveals this weird hand-and-arm-looking thing he found at the point, which looks like a withered zombie arm. Pixie sees it and refers to it as a hand of glory. She describes it as being a charm that can open any lock. Now, Wikipedia defines a hand of glory as a dried and pickled hand of a hanged man, and among the purported powers listed for a hand of glory is indeed the ability to open any door it comes across. Now, Lost positively IDs these as being Spike's fingers. If you recall, and I can't blame you if you don't, he had his left arm severed last issue, or at least it was revealed there that he had his left arm severed. Kurt notes the weird blood sigil that Banshee had been trying to cut his own hand off in and suggests that Switch has leveled up, familiarizing himself with all sorts of sorcery. Scenes shift over to Legion and Mother Righteous, where she makes him an offer. She says she'll give him an even more insane level of power in exchange for... well, not much more than a thank you. Now, perhaps this might take the form of belief or worship, or at the very least acknowledgement? I I don't know. He doesn't take her up on it immediately. She tells him to think it over, but, you know, not to dawdle. Don't take too long. Uh, also assuring him that uh, she, you know, she might be bad, but there's far worse things out there than her. She leaves, and we follow David over to the altar where bad Paulie's being held. Legion offers a somewhat less new-agey suggestion to deal with him, uh, rather than the religious angle and the, you know, penance uh, he offers to take a page out of his daddy's playbook and just, you know, not waste any time, just mind-wipe him. You know, hey, we'll, just take, we'll, we'll wipe the guilt out of you. Paulie refuses, but something that David says here triggers a memory in him. Paulie, that is. And it's a memory of his dead wife. And I can't remember. I think, was she cheating on him and he killed her and, and her lover or something like that? I, I can't 
completely remember off the top of my head, but I think that was the story we were going with last issue. Anyway, while he muddles this over, Kurt and the crew bamf in. Kurt sends Banshee off to explore the altar, hoping that he might find himself some peace or maybe just some answers. Zen, as Sean walks away, she thinks that he's a, uh, well, kind of a tasteless and graphic term to describe a part of the female anatomy. Pixie informs her that, you know, dude's just been skinned and worn, which uh, is something that Zen seems to respect. She's like, wow, that's pretty cool. Anyway, they all start walking, touring the place. Paulie's there with them. Kurt asks Zen for uh, some more information on these singing stones, to which she says she might tell him what she knows if he agrees to give her a rub down. Maybe, maybe she saw him uh, giving Sage a massage and got jealous. Anyway, we wrap up our issue with Banshee, who is still wandering around until he finds himself stood before Mother Righteous. Now, she greets him by uh, kind of taunting him with a few of his most recent losses. He lost the vote to be an X-Man back at the first gala. He lost his love in Mora, and he lost his body, just this very issue. I mean, he also technically lost it to Mora as well over in the uh, Zlato, Zlato book. She makes him an offer, an offer of clarity and power, and asks him what he thinks it's worth. And that is where we leave it. Next episode... Huh. Well, it was a good run, folks. Um, <laughs> Marauders number three. Oh, boy. Um, okay, we will we will worry about that next time. But for now, how's about we talk a little bit about the issue we just read? And I gotta say, mea culpa, I was wrong. I missed the hell out of talking about this silly stuff. Um, I thought... I didn't think this was going to be as fun as it was, and boy, I had a good time. I had a really good time. Um, let's talk about some of our takeaways here. I kind of dig the idea of gods existing based only on the fact of whether or not people believe in them. Now, that's not me making any real-world theological statement, nor do I think this necessarily fits into the greater Marvel Universe, but I think it's kind of an interesting thought experiment, or food for thought, at the very least. You know, faith... Faith is a powerful thing, and I kind of dig the idea of a god being, you know, faith-given form. I, I, I think that's kind of interesting. And again, not making any kind of real-world commentary, not really saying anything about anything. I just, I don't know, just the concept of faith. And it doesn't, I mean, take gods out of the equation, you know? Take, that, take religiosity out of the equation here and just use faith as in what it is. I mean, you can have faith in other people, you can have faith in ideas... Faith is powerful, and faith gives form. I, I really, really dig that. And here, having, you know, gods formed on the basis of faith, it's, it's kind of interesting. Of course, if we're talking about comics, it plain just doesn't work, does it? I mean, like, if enough people say, hey, you know what, I don't believe that Thor exists, does that mean he'll vanish? Does, like, all of Asgard kind of go poof? Is this a Tinkerbell clapping situation? I mean, it just just doesn't work. Especially, I mean, with the current, like, 1 million BC fetish continuity Marvel's got, like, didn't Odin predate almost everything in existence anyway? Uh, so, like, who would have believed him into existence? He's just kind of there. I don't know. Maybe here in the Marvel Universe, it's more a discussion on efficacy or a god's own... I mean, it, it sounds weird to say the self-esteem of a god, but is it the god's own self-esteem? Like, if nobody believes, maybe they feel powerless, and as such, they are less effective in, in whatever it is they're trying to do? I, I, really, I really don't know. I mean, in any event, it is at least interesting, at least to me, 
And since it's just Dr. Nemesis's theory anyway, we could probably write it off as him, you know, trying to facilitate or explain away the current story we find ourselves in more than, you know, anything else. And of course, Dr. Nemesis is a weird dude, so so his take is, you know, just one of however many, right? Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, there were a few instances of it's weird to say out of character um, behavior and dialogue with characters that we don't know very well, you know. But um, a couple of a couple of bits of dialogue stuck out to me here, where I actually kind of had to do a double take and see, you know, who was saying what they were saying. Uh, we got weaponless Zen, right? We don't know her long. This is the second time she's ever appeared. All we know about her is she's kind of a kinky Iraqi warrior, right? She's a, you know, violent, or she can be violent, and, you know, she wants to bang Nightcrawler, stuff like that. But there's a bit of dialogue here where she refers to Banshee as Captain Sideburns? That seems a little, like, un-Iraqi, <laughs> you know? It seems a little too current-year cute, a little too social media cringe. Uh, I just didn't think that really... I didn't think it worked. Um, also, Lost, a character we still... We don't know Lost very well. Uh, you know, we, we've only seen her for a few, you know, a few stories now. But she calls a Switch in Juggernaut's body an asshat. Which, I, I mean, I just... I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm projecting, but I thought she was more mature than that. You know, I thought it was she was more of a mature, serious character. Maybe I'm wrong. We don't know her very well. So, um... I don't know, it just kind of stuck out to me. It's like, did she really just call Juggernaut an asshat? Or Switch an asshat? She didn't seem right to me. Though I didn't create any of these characters, so I really don't have any room to to talk. Um, Finally, while on the subject of perceived inconsistencies, I gotta ask, even though I don't want to, what do we call our team? I feel like we're using the names Legionnaires and Legionaries interchangeably. Is it one? Is it the other? Is it both? Is it neither? I mean, I'm only back one episode. I don't want to jump right back into our old talking points about how an army of editors on the book aren't very good at their jobs. But, I mean, the, the book was going to be called Legionaries, right? Or, or Legionnaires. It was going to be called one of those things. Shouldn't we know which one it is and kind of, kind of stick with it? I don't know. Maybe they're just working out the kinks. Maybe it'll be a throwaway joke, like in Legion of X issue 5. It'll be like, hey, remember when we couldn't remember our name? Maybe it'll be something like that to kind of lampshade it. I, I really <laughs> I really don't know. But I tell you what, overall, um, maybe Absence did make the, the heart grow fonder here. Uh, not doing this for a little while. Uh, this was, dare I say, exciting. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's very out of, out of character for me to, to say that something like this is exciting, but... I had a really good time with this, and I was very excited to share it, and um, I'm glad I finally did. Hopefully that was enough to kind of prime the pump and, and get the old uh, current year creative juices flowing for me. I guess uh, that'll all remain to be seen. But I think that's where we'll leave it. We got no mail since we haven't done this in a hundred years, so um, <laughs> if anybody would like to reach out and say hello, I would... Uh, you know, love for you to do so. You can find me all the same places you could before. Uh, WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com. Ace Comics on Twitter. Xlapsed on Facebook. Uh, ChrisAndReggie.Podbean.com. And, you know, all the all the places that I'll try to remember to, uh, to put in the old show notes. But with all that having been said, I would like to thank you all so much. Not only for your patience, but for choosing to spend a little bit of your day with me today. Until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. See ya.